Welcome to the Swim Swim Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. And joining me today, we've got a very special guest. She is an Olympic medalist, a world champion, a six-time European champion. She is the distance queen from Denmark. A lot of freeze. <laughs> oh, what an interaction. <laughs> <laughs> First and foremost, you just got married. Uh, yeah. How how was your wedding? Um, I mean, under the circumstances with a uh, global pandemic, it was it was pretty okay. Um, we had to make a few changes, but otherwise, it's just a day which was filled with love and happiness. And I don't think I will regret getting married under a global pandemic. But I mean, I definitely wish some things could have been different. <laughs> that that makes sense. Um, I've been I've been talking to so many, you know, current swimmers, and you know, saying like, okay, how did this pandemic affect your training? And, you know, how is it, you know, affecting your swimming? Um, and I've I've had so many friends have to postpone, cancel their weddings as well. Um, aside from the wedding, how has this pandemic just affected you in in your day to day life? Um. Actually, not really, because I work in the, in radio broadcasting now, and I had to be a part of this whole thing where you have to like give knowledge to the Danish people. So I was actually just working really hard. So that's the only way it affected me is, and it wasn't just a nine to five job because I had to keep up all the time because things were developing so quickly. So I was working like from I got up to I got to bed, uh, went to bed because. I had to keep up with like the numbers in Denmark and the numbers in Europe and the numbers in the States and like people get infected and people dying and how was all the countries affected by it. So it, it was just a matter of me working extremely, extremely hard. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so how did, how did you get into broadcasting um, or radio broadcasting rather? Uh, I mean, you kind of get the hang of it when you do all the interviews uh, that I did during my career. So you do a lot of television, you do a lot of radio, and I always found it a lot of fun. Like I loved it. It was a really cool thing like for me to get to tell my stories. And it was especially really nice when the interviewer really wanted to tell my story. Um, and I really wanted to do that for people. I wanted people to be able to have a platform to tell whatever story they might have. And I, uh, and I actually was doing an interview and I said, oh, this is a really cool job. I was doing it for the radio. And they were like, oh, we're kind of like looking for interns right now. Would you be interested? <laughs> and uh, that, that was just, that was a commercial, uh, commercial radio. And then I got into, I wouldn't say government radio, but uh, the radio station I'm at now is funded by whatever government is there. Um, public service radio it's called here and uh, it's just a whole nother ball game because it's very much into journalism it's just it's the program I'm hosting is talking to regular people it's talking to the ministers we have here it's talking to uh, celebrities in Denmark so it's just a program where you have the opportunity to hear a lot of stories and talk to a lot of people and I just I, I love it 
that sounds really cool. Uh, yeah, especially <laughs> as, as as someone who also interviews people a lot. Um, that sounds really interesting, and and getting to hear all those stories and, like you said, just kind of regular people or celebrities or ministers, whoever, but just getting to hear all those stories. Um, um, what how you know you you mentioned it's been crazy with the pandemic. You've had to keep up with the news, very much a lot of journalism. Um, what what has this situation been like there with the pandemic? I mean, have you guys locked? I'm I'm guessing you guys locked down the first time. Have you have you guys locked down again? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, actually we did. Uh, it wasn't really as bad as other countries in Europe. Um, you were allowed to go outside. You were allowed to go grocery shopping. But everyone who was um, hired by the government was sent home to work. Uh, a lot of the people in the uh, broadcasting network I work for was sent home to do their work uh, from home. Schools were closed, kindergartens were closed, um, restaurants were closed down, but you were allowed to move around. It wasn't as lockdowns as we see, for example, now in, in France, where people are not allowed to go outside, really, uh, unless they have a, a valid visa, they're not allowed to go outside at dark. Um, and then... Slow and steady in, in, in June and July, we started opening up. We had this congregation band. You couldn't uh, be more than 10 and then 50 people uh, together at one point and 100. And now we see our numbers of people uh, who's infected by the coronavirus. It's, it's really starting to be bad again. So the government has closed down a lot again. We're not allowed to be more than 10 people in, in the same room now. Um, the nightlife, like bars and restaurants, has to close down at 10. Uh, the clubs are not even open. They haven't been open at all. Uh, so so we're really trying to get it under control again because we were really good in, in May and June, and we want to get back to that point in Denmark again. Certainly, yeah. I mean, it. right, I think everyone has talked about the, the winter being bad and the second wave, and it's just... <laughs> such a bummer to kind of we're there now <laughs> yeah, yeah to 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 have some sense of normalcy and then to kind of get it taken away again that's yeah that's certainly hard um so okay so we talked about where you're at now um i think it's i think it's awesome that you're in radio and you get to interview people and, and hear those stories do you do you have any any favorite topic that you get to cover on a day-to-day basis I mean, the topics that I cover is everything from uh, the American election, which we're going to do tomorrow, uh, <laughs> and and then to do just like big time movies in Denmark, to uh, musicians who's out with their music, and then just regular people. So I think I don't really have a favorite topic because I just, as I said, I just love to tell the stories. And every story is so different, which is what I love about it. And everybody has a different perspective, even though if the story is the same, they have a different perspective and different feelings uh, and emotions and thoughts going into this story or, or whatever situation they're in. And that's that's just what I, I love doing. I mean, I would I would I love doing it on the radio. I would love to do it on television one day. Uh, but I just I just love my job. As much as I did when my job was swimming and that's just that was all I was hoping for when I retired from swimming. That's so freaking heartwarming to hear uh, because I feel like a lot of athletes don't end up in that position. Certainly not, you know, right after they finish with their sport of 
finding something else that they love to do just as much. Um, so, so I want to get into your stories. Um, where it, if you love, if you like hearing people's stories, if you like hearing other people's perspectives, I think you have to have some amount of empathy and just kind of understanding of, of how other people move in the world. Were you always like that? Did you always enjoy growing up? Did you always enjoy listening to other stories or stories in general? Uh, I think it, it developed as I grew older. I think, uh, to put it mildly, I was probably pretty selfish <laughs> in the middle of my swimming career because it was all about me, what I needed to be the best swimmer possible. But I think the last couple of years of, of my swimming career, I started also thinking it's not just all me. I mean, selfish in that way that I didn't stumble over people. I didn't put every people down. Like I was just being me and wanted to get the best from me uh, with the respect of the people surrounding me. Uh, but I think as I grew older, I just started being more relaxed in myself and and who I was and that I think gives you more energy to actually listen to other people's stories and I think what I've been through in my career and my life so far has also I mean given me a lot of perspective on other people's lives and at some point in my life I've had the easiest life possible and at other times it's been really hard for me put in perspective or all relatively compared to what other people are going through. And I think when you have ups and downs, you can always relate to somebody at some point, even though their situation might be slightly different. And I, that, that's just what I'm trying to to do when I listen to other people's stories is imagine if that was my life or my story. Man, well said. <laughs> well said. I, I couldn't agree more. Um you know, you get to a, you get to a point where you kind of realize, Hey, we're all human and we all go through highs and lows, no matter whether you're, you know, an essential worker, a professional athlete, uh, you know, X ex person, um, anyone we, we all go through those highs and lows. And so, um, and, and like you said, if you were selfish in the middle of your career, but I, I, I think that to be an athlete, you have to give that focus to yourself, right? You have to put in those, those long hours and kind of, kind of make sure that you're, you're doing yourself first. Um, so let's, let's, let's talk about that professional athlete life. When did, I don't, I don't want to start at like the beginning of your swimming career, but, um, you know, was there a moment when you kind of realized when you were a younger swimmer, Hey, I could, I could be pretty good at this, or, or I think I want to do this for a living. Um, I think I just always loved swimming and it was a lot of socializing for me. I'm from a very small uh, town here in Denmark and I went to swimming. I, I swam with my two best friends at that point and, and two other people from my grade that I, I knew, uh, so it's all about just being socialized, like socializing, being with friends. And, and then all of a sudden it just kind of developed into this thing where I loved competing at the same time. And I always wanted to win. And I just always thought of the winning thing because when I uh, grew up in Denmark, it wasn't really an option to be a professional swimmer. I think we had one in Denmark uh, who could, who was, living off being a swimmer with sponsors and all those that kind of stuff so it wasn't really the motivation behind me pushing myself every day at practice for me it was more about the winning thing and then 
I mean, it developed into a career which I'm really thankful for, and all the people who helped me along the way. Uh, but I just, I just loved winning, and that was simply my <laughs> my inspiration and, pop, and and fire in my belly every time I, I jumped into the pool. Let's dig into that a little bit. Um, did you did you grow up being competitive? Were you competitive in other areas too, or was swimming kind of? <laughs> You to win oh yeah i mean i i hate when i hate losing board games i got so mad <laughs> i i feel i feel like i've gotten better over the years but i mean i hated i hated losing uh through all my childhood and through all swimming so i feel like your perspective especially in my latest like last year of swimming changed a little bit from winning to actually what is my goal and that was that goal became winning for me in the end. Yeah, that I we'll get to that later. Uh, but <laughs> uh, so so you you were very competitive, and did that is that you know did you naturally fall into the distance events? Were you was that just kind of what you were good at growing up, or was that was did that kind of fall into okay, this is what I can win? Um, I actually started out as a 200 backstroker and, uh, at one point, I think it was right before the junior years, I, I was only really good at back, 200 backstroke. I couldn't really do the hundred. So I was only qualified for the Danish junior, Danish junior championship in the 200 freestyle, a uh, total backstroke. Mm -hmm. And uh, my coach said, Oh, maybe you should try out the eight and 1500 just to see if you can like qualify for, for the Danish championship in that event. And, uh, then I qualified and I continued swimming it and got better and better and could tell for myself that I was actually pretty good at it. So it was kind of a coincidence that I fell into the distance pocket uh, when I was, I think I was 13 or 14 years old. Wow. Okay. So that, yeah. And did you enjoy those events or did, you know, did you like swimming them? Did you like racing and training for them or did you just like the winning? Uh. I think uh, it's a different point in my career. I was just doing it to win. And then at other points, I actually liked the challenge, like challenging myself, not only physical, but also mentally, because uh, you can have a lot of thoughts during an 800, <laughs> like a lot of thoughts. And, and that was kind of also fun for me to try and, and push myself mentally as well. Mm -hmm. So in, in Denmark, at what point do yeah do you transition from being you know a, a junior or or just you know as someone swimming to like you know to a, your version of a professional mm -hmm. um yeah i mean we when i was swimming i mean my timeline was i think when you turned 15 i became a junior or the year you turned 15 mm -hmm. you become a junior and mm -hmm. The year you turn 17 or I turned 17, I became a senior. I think that was the, the ratio. Uh, and then I didn't uh, become a professional swimmer until I was 20, I think, 21, around there. Um, so I was doing high school. I was uh, When I was finished high school, I uh, worked a little because our education system is a little bit different than the States. Like you... you I could go to school now and get it paid. Um, so I didn't need to, to go straight from high school to college. So that, that's why I turned pro when I was like 20, 21. 
And what, what was the, I mean, was the mindset there at, at that age, you know, 2021, 20, I'm guessing you don't really know what you want to do with life. And you're like, well, I like swimming. I'll just keep doing this. Yeah, that was kind of my idea. Like I, at one point I wanted to become a lawyer, then I wanted something different. So I feel like I wasn't ready to make a decision with what I wanted to do the rest of my life. I enjoyed swimming and I had the opportunity to proceed, like do that as a professional career. And that's why I did it because I always in the back of my mind thought, well, I can always get an education because in Denmark it's, as I said, for free. So you can just apply and you can kind of get it going. So I was always thought swimming is now and I want to focus 100% on that at the moment. I don't want to divide my attention or my energy to do something else. Yeah. And so, so put us there. Did you have a training group? Um, you know, what, what were you, what was your training like? Were you, were you doing typical distance where you drop 10 K a day? Uh, I don't really think I did 10 K a day. Um, I mean, the group that I was in, we had a lot of different uh, people coming and going. Uh, Shannon Otteson was part of the group at one point, and then she left. Then uh, Becky Muller became part of the group, and we kind of stayed together until I moved uh, abroad. Uh, Panilla uh, Bloomer came into the group as well, uh, to name a few people that, that, that people might know. Um, and then... It was just, I was training in what we call the National Training Center. So it was uh, at the point when I was there, I was under the national head coach and he was coaching, yeah, I guess between 10 and 15 people there. And that, that's the part of the group I was with when I was uh, becoming a senior swimmer and becoming a professional athlete um, until I moved abroad in 2012. Uh, and was so when uh when you were 20 i think 19 or 20 you went to your mm. first olympic games mm. uh in 2008 um what how were you feeling heading into those games did had was that at the point where you had just kind of decided okay i'm going to be a professional now uh no uh, i just finished high school uh that summer right before we went to the olympics uh, i actually we have this kind of ceremony where you have your last exam which is uh oral i think it's called when you when you sit and talk mm -hmm. to your co uh, to your teacher and you get this hat kind of when you finish <laughs> high school so i got the hat on right after the exam and i had a glass of champagne with my mom and dad and my great grand my grandma and some friends and then two hours after i finished the exam i actually went to the airport to go to uh, the Marinostrum meets in southern europe yeah <laughs> so it wasn't really time to like uh, celebrate me graduating high school because there was the olympics going on so at that point i just i was just focusing on the olympics and i just finished high school um and i wasn't really thinking that professional swimming was a thing like it wasn't really possible in denmark at the time uh, so i was just hoping to do my best my goal going in was going into a final so that was all I was focusing on and trying to remember that the Olympics, uh, even though the name, <laughs> the Olympics is great and it's already, only every fourth year, that it was just any other meet. I'd been to the World, uh, World Championships a couple of times uh, before that. So I was just trying to remind myself, this is just any typical World Championships. It's the same people. It's the same events. It's just called something different. Yeah. 
and I mean, you, uh, you won a bronze medal in the 800, mm. uh, and, and your first Olympics, you know, it, it seemed like that mentality worked for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I was, uh, I was actually part of the group who was trying to qualify for a relay for the 2004 Olympics. So it was a big blow when that relay didn't make it. So my goal had for four years running just been the Olympics. Like I have to go to the Olympics. That that's the thing I need to go <laughs> and be, part of that little exclusive group of people who go every four years to this amazing event. Um, so I was actually just, as I said, I was just trying to be as relaxed as possible when you reach your goal and go there when it's been your goal for four years. And, and I actually made a plan with my coach back then to uh, not think too much about it like not go there as a tourist and that sounds so weird going to the olympics as a tourist when you're actually an athlete but i was um i was really uh, just happy that i made like that i qualified for the olympics uh, and then we had a long talk i think a year before sitting down saying okay what should be the goal now because the big goal had always been going to the olympics and i needed to perform as well i can't just go there and go i need to go there and perform so that was just the real like mentality going in trying to swim as fast as possible for me and hopefully see where it took me how far i went and so then after yeah af after those olympics i mean after those olympics you were on a roll you went to world championships and you won the 800 there you got a silver medal in the 1500 i mean how did that was that kind of a springboard for you moving forward because seemingly with such a big goal you know you had, like you said you had made the olympics um how were you able to kind of reset and move forward with your goals uh well i hadn't won the goal yet in the olympics so what that was kind of the goal like trying to uh climb up the ladder try and do better than that bronze medal and i will say the bronze medal in 2008 i mean it was like a, and like this much separating me from bronze and fourth place. So I wanted to just keep developing and keep trying to get like on top, get on that top podium and hold the gold medal and hear the Danish national anthem. And I think it was a big boost of confidence that I was the first Danish swimming medal in 20 years uh, when I won that medal. Like the last medal was, I was six months with the Danish swimming medal in, two, in 1988 was won. So I wanted to to keep developing and keep like showing that Danish swimming could actually be great, that that I could be great. And I, I mean, over the next couple of years, do you do you feel like you got there? Do you feel like you were able to say to yourself, like, I am great? Yeah, I, I feel that I I am so happy with whatever all the medals that I won between 2008 and 2012, all those meets. I mean, I had some downs because I also got uh, really relaxed with myself and my swimming because as I began winning stuff and I was on Dancing with the Stars here in Denmark, the celebrity part of being an athlete came into place. And I was all of a sudden invited to all these red carpet events. I was invited to movie premieres and that kind of stole some focus. So I had a little bit of a dip I think it was in December 2010 where I didn't really perform at the World Champion Short Course Championships. And I kind of like 
got a reset of that mentality of being a hardworking athlete and not taking anything for granted because that's what I did uh, that year leading up to it. That, oh, I can do this. This is easy. I can just swim and, and win medals. Uh, so it was a big uh, reality check going into that World Short Course Championships. And I feel like all the medals that I have won, as I said, in those four years, uh, I'm really proud of what I've done. I'm really proud of what I have accomplished not only in my career but uh, I feel like I've done something for Danish swimming and and broken through that glass ceiling that if you come from a small country you can't really compete with the big ones you can't compete on the big stage and and that's not what I set out to do but that's something that I'm proud of now that I hopefully have helped a lot of the young Danish swimmers now realizing that if you work out and you really want it you can actually have it yeah I mean, did you, I'm going to go back to your training for just a minute. Did you, like you said, in a smaller country, it's, it's, it's obviously smaller. And, you know, you mentioned, um, Yanetta good training with you a while. You mentioned Pranella, but you know, they're, they're sprinters. Were you, (laughs) did you have anyone to really push you when you were doing distance type work or were you kind of putting your head down and out there on your own? having to motivate yourself? Uh, a lot of the years I had, at, uh, I've always been training with the guys here in Denmark, uh, the long distance guys, because there wasn't really any other long distance girls uh, to train with me and push me. But a lot of the years I actually trained alone. Like it was just me there. And, and that's also a huge reason for me wanted to get out of Denmark and trying to expand my horizon and actually be pushed by somebody in the in the pool and so 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 let's go there um you go abroad in 2012 uh did you go directly to the united states uh no i had a year where i was training with the niece olympic niece natation and where uh, yannick agnell was and uh, charlotte bonnet and uh, camille muffat was swimming and uh, i've 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 never regretted that year there. Uh, it taught me a lot. Uh, and I love training under Fabrice. Um, and I mean, it gave me the ability to believe in myself again because my confidence had taken a huge... I wasn't really confident in myself after 2012. I didn't think I could swim. I thought I wasted a lot of years trying to swim. Uh, and I was actually planning to retire in December 2013 after the European Short Course Championships in uh, Denmark. And then came World Championships in Barcelona. And that changed everything. <laughs> so that's, okay. I mean, can we back up? Can, you yeah. know, why, why was 2012 such, wh- what got you into that headspace after, you know, that, like you said, that quad, you had had a lot of success in the pool in terms of winning international medals at world championships at Europeans. Um, I know, you know, you go to London in 2012, you don't win a medal, but was, was, I mean, was that really what the turning point for your confidence going down? Mm, I, yeah, definitely. I going into London, I saw myself coming out of London with a medal. It was. It was. It wasn't even a question that I. I was gonna get a medal, and it was just a question of was it gonna be bronze, silver, or gold. So me not even 
like for a split second think thinking that I could go home without anything and uh, I can still to the day not pinpoint what went wrong in London and I made my peace with it uh, but it it really took a toll on me it broke me physically and mentally and I was ready to throw everything away 12 hours after that race and then I 12 hours more went by and I was like Hell, sorry hell no <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to retire this way. I'm not going to end my career with a race that I am not happy with. I want to be able to look myself in the eyes 10, 20, 30 years from now and say I gave it everything I got. And I retired when I felt like I was ready. And that's how I started trying to think, okay, what is my next move? Do I want to stay in Denmark? Do I want to go abroad? Where do I want to go if I want to go abroad? So it was a whole big process. and. It actually took me a whole year to actually get back to the Lottie that was confident in herself and the swimming. And it, it, it was a huge part of me training with the Kemi Mufa and my friendship with her. And she supported me a lot throughout the, for all the year. And she pushed me every day at practice. And that helped me get through it and get back to the swimmer I was pre-London. Uh and so then you spend a year in France and you get your, you get your confidence back. Um, and then what, what, what's next? Uh, I went to uh, Barcelona uh, world championships and Yannick, uh, uh, which I was really close with friendship wise uh, had actually gone to Baltimore already to talk to Bob and train with Bob. And he was like, Hey, Bob is trying to put together this uh, group of people. Do would you be interested in coming and checking it out, talking to Bob, see how it is, and if it works for you? And I was like, Yeah, why not? <laughs> I'll, I'll try anything. Um, and then after I think I spent three months there, and I went back to Denmark, I was I knew immediately that I wanted to go back. I wanted to be part of of. Uh, North uh, Aquatic Baltimore, uh, Baltimore Swimming Club, uh, and be part of of that whole group of people, which was such, so extraordinary people, and we were all swimming towards the same goal, and it was just so inspiring to be part of a group where everybody had like a really high level of uh, of international competitions on their resume. Yeah. Uh, I want to hit on, on Barcelona just for a second, you know, cause you mm. said that was kind of, kind of the high, uh, mm. you know, you win two silver medals there in the 800 and the 1500, you set a European record in the 1500. Um, did, I mean, heading into that meet, obviously after the Olympics, you said you had built that confidence up, but did you feel really ready to have those performances going into the meet? Uh, Going into the meet, I was hoping that I could be in the running or be in the fight to win the bronze medal in the 1500. I had no expectation that I would be able to swim as fast as I did and compete at the level that I did. I was hoping, as I said, I could maybe win the bronze medal in the 1500. Um, so 
it not only surprised me, but I think it surprised a lot of the Danish team as well because they know me pretty well. We're a really small team when we're there, so everybody knows everybody really, really well. Uh, so I think it came as a huge surprise, uh, not only for me, but for, for yeah, my family and friends and the whole Danish team and the Danish Federation that I performed the way I did. Uh, which is which is <laughs> seems like a good meat to have. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so you go to, uh, you follow Yannick to North Baltimore, um, mm. where, like you said, there's just a super team. Um, mm. And what, what, I mean, we, you know, everyone has the same goal. Everyone has such a high pedigree. Um, what was training, what put, put us in the training environment, you know, on a day to day, what was it like? It was just uh, a lot of fun. Like it was a, uh, a small exclusive group of people who just really enjoyed spending time together, not just in the pool, but also outside of the pool. And then it was just a very competitive group of people. Like we were pushing each other every single day and we were cheering each other on, even though you were a sprinter, you could cheer on the distance people and, other, and vice versa. So it was just a really close-knit group of people who loved swimming and loved completing and wanted to do the best they could and uh to to give listeners some context so you you had you you had Yannick Agnell uh yeah. Connor Dwyer yep um was Michael was that Phelps <laughs> Michael Michael Phelps and he did he <laughs> he got there a little later though right or did he come yeah, pretty I- much after Barcelona uh, I as I remember that he came pretty much after Barcelona. Uh, I mean, I think he came a little bit later than the rest of us, but he 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 wasn't far behind, and it was just uh, like you. I've seen Michael. We've been especially in the Olympics. We've kind of been in the same doping control all the time because the hundred fly and eight hundred freestyle is at the same day. <laughs> so you're kind of like you know. I know I knew him from that. <laughs> and so so. It was just kind of surreal being surrounded by a group of people who had won all the medals they had, and especially Michael, because you're like, oh, he's like, he's the big star. He must not want to talk to anybody. But he was just really uh, kind and friendly and down to earth and just a lot of fun to be around. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm, you know, from the outside, we saw him, you know, go through a lot of changes, certainly after 2015 or uh, after 2014, you know, from the, from the, in the, in the public, in the public yeah. eye. Um, but to be, to be in that little group um, and to, and to form those personal relationships with them, like you said, with these big stars and, and just to take them down to what we were talking about earlier, it's a human being. They have ups and downs and, uh, you know, at some point you can all relate and you've, you've all been there before. Um, it sounds like a really, really great experience. Oh, it was like it, it's some of the best years of my career. Uh, it's the years where I started to relax more and be more confident in what I had to offer and was more confident in who I was as a person, not only a swimmer, but who I was as the person Lotte. And it is just—it was just a huge learning experience being in the states for three years. Like I loved it. 
and uh, and and I was sad to leave when I thought, okay, I, I kind of want to go back to Denmark because I miss it too much. But I feel like Baltimore will always be a part of me, and I really want to take my my now husband there and show him like this is where I spent three years of my life, and tell him and show him all some of all the stuff that I have experienced in my life in Baltimore. Um, and he's just like he doesn't know. Yeah, I mean, he knows about USA, but he's never been in the States. So that will also be a first time for him when we actually are able to go there. And we'll see how long time that will be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully soon. But yeah, we'll yeah. see. Um, so, yeah, so I personally, I've never been to Baltimore. And it's not when I think of Baltimore, I think of like, oh, it's probably like kind of gross. Like, I don't think I would want to go there. But you know, like, like we said before, everyone's got a different story and everyone has their own mm. <clears throat> personal stories. And it's so cool to hear you say, like, I want to take my husband here. Cause like I spent three years here and like, I really grew here. So what are, I mean, do you have a few places uh, specifically in Baltimore that you're like, yes, I have memories here. Or this is where I would take my husband because like this place means a lot. Uh, I mean, obviously I would have to show him the pool. I don't think I can get around that. <laughs> um, I probably want to show him some of that, my spots where I used to hang out. I probably want him to meet some of the people that I used to hang out with in Baltimore. Uh, and then I just think, uh, yeah, some of the spots I used to hang out and, and that I show, like that I took people when people came to Denmark or from Denmark to visit me there. I think that's the spots I want to show him. Yeah, I mean, I we can't, we can't really go there without, we can't go to the States without going to Baltimore. I've already told him that. <laughs> do you like, what are, what are, what are those spots? Do you have a couple in mind? Uh, I mean, the inner harbor in Baltimore is, it's really pretty and beautiful. I got a couple of restaurants and I want him to go out. Uh, I want him to meet some, as I said, I want to probably want to show him the places that I lived in Baltimore, even though I can't go in, I kind of want to show him the two apartments that I lived in. Uh, so I think that's kind of the spot. I mean, it's not a two week trip to Baltimore, but a few days we could probably <laughs> use. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, it's, it is cool to, to look back on somewhere you've lived and say like, all right, the, yeah, these are, these are the memories and these are why, and it's not always okay. just the tourist stops. It's no, this, you know, this is, this is like you said, where I lived or this is where I ate. And it's yeah. cool. Um, <clears throat> So, okay, back to back to the North Baltimore Super Group. Um, was do you, do you have a, a workout or a set that you remember from that group that stands out to you as as something that you were really proud of that you did, or something that really kicked your butt? Or uh, I don't really have a specific set, but but I have a memory of a goldfish, so I can't really remember specific stuff <laughs> as close. Like I can't even remember what I talked about on the radio three days ago. Uh, but what I remember is kind of the emotions. I remember when we had uh, go at your own pace uh, programs where people would just be going flying through because everybody wanted to be uh, like finish the, pr the practice at first or finish the practice first instead of. Uh, just taking it easy and and making that a recovery set, which it actually was. It was like five, six uh, k going at your own pace, and people would just be like wanted to be done at first, keeping like ten seconds rest, uh, going through the, the the sets at a much higher heart le uh, rate level than than we should. Uh, I remember that. I remember going up to uh, to Colorado Springs and and all the camps we had there and all the fun times. 
So that's that's more what I remember. And I remember that they like if everybody had a heart set, like we would cheer each other on. Like we would say, "Come on, you can do it." And that that's kind of what's what's stuck with me. And I wish um, when I got back to Denmark, some of that was missing. Like we wouldn't we wouldn't cheer each other on, and that's maybe what I was a different perspective on practice from the states than when I got back home. I was missing uh, that team feeling even though swimming is a very individual sport you kind of need a team surrounding you and and helping you get through it it's an individual sport but you kind of need a team i (laughs) totally agree um and so did you um you know like you said you all had that common goal you were all kind of shooting for 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 the olympics or for the highest stage did you were you in baltimore through rio yeah, I stayed in Baltimore with the uh, Bob's former assistant coach Eric Polske, and we were uh, actually it was mostly a distance group that stayed behind us and a few uh, other people, and and I enjoyed it. Like I loved it. It was a much smaller group than when Bob was there, but uh, we were still all working towards the same goal. A lot of the it was a lot of young American swimmers there who was working to go to. Uh, the Olympic trials, and then I uh, was uh, me who was going to the Olympics, and uh, we had uh, uh, a few other people who were going to Olympics for their respective countries. So we were pushing each other, and I was—I mean, I was by far the oldest, which was kind of a weird new feeling. And but I had a great relationship with Eric, and and I enjoyed our cooperation through that year. Yeah, and uh, and so. You know, you you get to your third Olympics after having this a success at one, you know, an up at one, and maybe a down Mm. at another. Um, And how how does how does this third Olympics compare for you? Uh, I go to the Olympics with a sense of calm and just being me and resting in who I like, resting in who I am as a swimmer and who I'm as as a an athlete, um, uh, my close friend, uh, my friend Camille Mufah, she died uh, in 2015. And that was kind of my whole turning point and how I viewed my swimming and how I was progressing and how I was generally viewing my life and what I wanted out of life. And I wanted to enjoy swimming. I wanted to have fun while still working hard. So I went to the Olympics in 16. Um, just kind of going there to have fun and fun could be I mean my goal was going into the third Olympic final in my career um, but overall have fun around the swimming as well not just uh, go there and be like competing and have eyes for nothing else I wanted to compete and do great but I also wanted to be relaxed and talk to the other athletes because the pri- the two Olympics prior, I had just been so focused on myself and my swimming that I wasn't really paying attention to what other Danish athletes were doing. Um, so here I wanted to be able to talk to them and bond with them and have all these great memories of me going to an Olympic Games where it was not just all swimming. And it was, I can definitely say the Olympics where I had the most fun just both in and out of the pool. And uh, so that, gosh, that's cool. 
that's that's <laughs> it, it seems that kind of seems like a full circle right or or, or certainly yeah. a journey certainly certainly a journey where you have ups and downs and you you get to kind of have that third olympics be fun um mm. maybe not a high or a low but 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 be fun and enjoyable um yeah and so then did you know you were done swimming after that or did you want to press on for a while longer because i know you retired in in i think it was april of 2017 yeah okay um i knew it was my last olympics for sure and i think when i look back i probably knew i was done i wanted to give it uh, one more chance because we had european short course in copenhagen uh, in december 2017 and i thought what a cool way to retire would in Copenhagen at a European meet. Uh, so I took, I think about five, six months off after the Olympics. Uh, I trained a little bit, but nothing too serious. Mm-hmm. And then I started up, we got a new national training center coach in Denmark and I made a plan with him. I wasn't even going to go and try and go to the world championships in 2017. I was just going to try and train for the Europeans. Uh, so we started that program and uh, the development of me getting back into the water and once we hit March I could just feel it within myself that I didn't want to like I didn't want to train and we all know that you kind of have to train to be able to compete at a high level uh, so I was just I, I don't really feel like it like I hated I started to hate it going to the pool and I didn't want to uh, end up hating swimming I didn't want to end up hating a sport that brought me so much joy and helped me develop into the person that I am today so I I took two weeks off where I just really thought like do I want to go back am I missing going back and I came up with the conclusion that the only thing I was missing was my teammates I wasn't missing practice I wasn't uh, missing getting into the water I was missing my friends and I could just as well hang out with them outside of the pool as in the pool and that's when I decided enough is enough like I can be proud of what I've done and I don't need to push it. I don't need to end up hating swimming. And I mean, I think, I feel like that's a, you hear about a lot of swimmers who they retire and then they never touch water again. Right. They're like, I don't even want to walk into mm. a pool, uh, let alone. That's me. Get, get <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're, you're, you're done with swimming. You never want to. Uh, I coached for a year and a half. I was an assistant coach in my club back back home. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't actually been in the water since I retired. I I wanted to do something else. I, like, I've been running. I've been going to the gym and um, taking all these gym classes. I just, I just wanted to do something else. And I want to miss it. I want to miss it before I jump in. And I haven't gotten to that stage where I miss it yet. And I've talked to a lot of retired swimmers and I've heard everything from six months to 20 years. So I feel like I have a few years left before I feel like I need to start really missing it. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally fair. That That's cool that you're, you're, you know, there's other options and you're able to do other things that you kind of enjoy. And um, I mean, it's, a, it's, I think it's a good feeling to miss something because mm. it makes it coming, it makes coming back that much sweeter. And that's a that's the point I want to reach. I want to be able to miss swimming. And 
it comes and goes. I've had a few days, and strangely enough, uh, during this lockdown we had in Denmark, I actually miss going to to the pool. And I was just like, I haven't gone to the pool in a year and a half, and all of a sudden now you miss it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> yeah, right. Like once once you don't have the option of doing it, you're like, well, mm-hmm. now I kind of want to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. Well, a lot of this has been so lovely to hear your swim story um, and to hear, you know, kind of the ups and downs you've gone through and to relate to you as a human. Um, Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. It was really fun. (laughs) Um, Any, any parting thoughts before we close out? (sighs) So I just think for everybody who's still swimming, you need to do what makes you happy and you need to, whether it is competing or whether it is retiring for swimming, you just need to remember to be that. I kind of, I, I hear in Denmark, I don't know if it translates as well into English, but I say be the whole person, like be a happy person outside and inside the pool. And that's what you need to strive towards. You need to go for that, being the happiest person you can, both inside and outside the pool. And, and that's what I've tried to do. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.